This I thought was really important, and I think that pretty much every year for the past 10, moving into our 11th year, I try to anchor, especially on a Sunday, what was on the heart of an executive who is noted as the father of our nation. There's no crime in that label. You guys are fathers in the faith, you men, you women, your mothers in the faith. And your legacy is as well printed on somebody's heart for how you've spoken in the times of your trials and challenges, in the victories that God has given to you, in your sure hope of what is before us, which is heaven. But I normally have taken the address from a Thanksgiving proclamation from Abraham Lincoln, equally as stirring, wonderful. But I revisited one that I think if I had to choose, at least on this day, this is an amazing one. This was penned by George Washington. It is one that he delivered in October 1789. Obviously, this was something that was petitioned. If you didn't know that at one time, our government worked very harmoniously. <laughs> Both chambers had worked harmoniously to beckon the president to give this salutation. And so it's called the Thanksgiving Proclamation. I'm going to read it worthy of being read by the president of the United States of America, a proclamation. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of almighty God, to obey his will and to be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. It continues. Notice the subject of this document, Almighty God. It's important to see the heart of the president in penning this because that is the heart of God even today, that he is first in our hearts and in our nation, permeating all of culture, saturated now with such corruption, it certainly would say to us, we are in the latter days. Let me continue. 
Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence which he experienced in the which we experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war for the great degree of tranquility union and plenty which we have since enjoyed for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge and in general for all the great and various favors which he hath pleased to confer upon us. Closing paragraph. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions to enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as have shown kindness unto us, and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and the increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. Given under my hand at the city of New York the third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1789. What a awesome closing salutation in the year of our Lord, not used too much these days. George Washington would have approximately 10 years beyond this proclamation in which he 
would pass away. About the age of 67, we know the circumstances. But as I ponder this great document and the work that he had done, I will bet you that he would have thought too early a demise. There are accounts in which in the struggling to live out, to move through that bodily crisis, that swelling of his larynx, there was an infection. It's been called several different things. But I'm sure that one who had been through so much would have also, which we do know, had been comforted in realizing where he would go. He actually, in the last moments of realizing, had prepared his estate. But the thing that I wanted to really emphasize here is that he planned on a higher estate. The things that he penned, the manner that he led, was always with a trusting confidence in the Lord, living in thanksgiving in difficulties that perhaps we might say akin to ours, but I don't necessarily know if that's entirely true with all of the conveniences that we have. So where does that lead us right now? Well, this is where I felt really impressed on this date, was to secure us in scriptures that both have meaning and practicality. They mean something to us, and practicality means they are for us in our times in which we can, in our life, make a proclamation of the great Almighty God having his perfect will lived out in our circumstances no matter what they are. We, in brevity, a mom towards our son, was able to voice a devotional consideration, and I was impressed with it. But as most of you know, that at that time, others had preceded us in difficulties. You know, Katie and the Pettinger family preceded us by a year or so to a calamity. Here she is. Here they are. Here's Zach. Here we are. We are here. And at times, it seems as though that's the hardest thing that we can do is that step that brings us back into the door in which things have changed because difficulties have imposed themselves on us. And we're not sure in that particular moment how are we going to get through it. How shall this work out? Two years as I look back seems like that. It's so hard to believe two years, but I remember the day. And so my question to you as we move through practical scripture, as we savor a practical document that I don't believe has been matched by any president, perhaps except Abraham Lincoln, to the degree in which the Lord God was so overtly pronounced that a nation could not have missed it. And it makes sense to how a Congress could have been united because their petition was is that one whom they followed 
and one in which an election put him into that place, basically the Congress, because he was the first, that God would say, elect me. Elect me in this season, in this time, in which difficulties so noted make living a challenge. Elect me. And so we as believers can say, wait a minute, I've heard that term. Oh yeah, we are an elect. And it is right that in our position as electors, we are able to say, God, my vote is with you. My confidence is in you. I give you thanks in the short season that I have. Remember when you get beyond the 50s and you cross into the 60s, you realize that you're on grace in a very significant way. It is true. I'm always looking to the seniors who to me are behaving like youngsters. And I'm going, if that's in you because of who you are in Christ, then in what I cannot yet fully appreciate, which are challenges yet to come, that's the way that I want to walk. That's who I want to be. And so let me share with you some scriptures that I think are very important. And the first one that I'd like to go to, at least I think that this is a good one to go to, is first is second Thessal excuse me, first Thessalonians. And as you're moving there, we're going to be in chapter five. And I think this says so much about the unknown inner life, but it reminds us of what we do know and what we need to practice. As we're finding our place ready to hear where it needs to be placed in our hearts, I do want to remind you so that I don't forget. We're going to do a swappy on next Sunday, I believe. Rivs is going to be taking what would be normally on a Thursday and putting it into our hearts and minds on Sunday. We're going to couple that with a special song. That's what we're working out right now. But we're looking to have that done on this Sunday. But if there's a need to hop over it on a technicality, it'll be within the next Sunday, okay? And the reason that's important is because chapter 4 is about the rapture, the church. And so with careful planning, we'll be able to get you excited. If you're not, we can reignite it through that teaching in which you know that though it may be difficult in your living now, you're not living for the purpose of just making it through. You're being prepared for living a life that is full in the presence of the Lord. We need to be excited about that. Here we go. Put your eyes, if you would, please, on verse 14. Now, we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. And the emphasis here, at least as I see it, is because difficulties can affect our enthusiasm and our sincerity. 
Thanksgiving and the difficulties of living, I believe, can be appropriately put in balance by saying, that's what I need to do. I missed on that one. I allowed an unruly person to make me one who didn't want to be ruled at all in my patience, in my love, in my mercy. Got it wrong. Now I can get it right. I saw someone in their weakness, but because I found myself in my own weakness, I could not tend to it. But the scriptures say that what we go through presently is precisely that we have an ability to identify with those who are weak. And very often, we, in our weakened state, will be challenged to be stronger for somebody else in their weakened state. We have people that come in strong, they look it, but deep inside, the infirmity of a weakness which they desperately need and encouragement from you. Because though weak, what does the scripture say? God has chosen to prove his power through your weakness. And it's a triumphal story that God writes in that moment. Being patient with all. The difficulties that we have both as believers right now and this time seeing things about our country which do not reflect what George Washington wrote at all, hearing just the continual scourge of the irrelevancy of the church and of the morality of the church, the beauty of the church, it does deflate you at times. But we need to understand we've got one of the best houses on the place that we occupy right now. Any place in which the Lord's word is taught and worship ascends and prayer is authentic and sincere and the gifts of the Spirit are being exercised, it's one of the best houses that has ever been provided for by God to his people. And you have just a little part of that right now. Verse 15 says, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but we live in a culture in which evil now is being rendered for evil. You did that, I'm going to do this. And we see it being done truly to a level that I would say has been unprecedented except before the time in which God said, that's not working anymore. We're going to do a cleansing flood because it's not working anymore. And then there was a time in which God, as he foreknew and as ultimately it was proven, that's not going to work anymore. There's going to be another cleansing flood. It's me, my son, going to the cross for a world in such wickedness and depravity and forgetfulness, a cleansing flood. A cleansing flood in Noah's day because of wickedness, a cleansing flood by the shed blood of Jesus. And that has not stopped working. This is the discipline that we need to exercise in. 
were to pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. You can pursue what is good for yourself, but include others, and those might be the ones mysterious to you at this time. You don't know how God wants to extend in the manner by which you have been as well encouraged to do what's good for you, what also you have the ability to do what's good for somebody else. You guys don't know this, but I got a call. Some of you might. And it's, it was a curious call to me. Didn't know the caller per se at the time, at least the way identified. And the question was, hey. I said, hey. <laughs> do you guys have a trailer? We heard you might. Well, I knew what the trailer represented. It represented the place by which a lot of stuff both gets hauled around and also, if necessary, an emergency storage unit. The person identified themselves as being from a church. And that was curious. Wow, a church giving me a call and to borrow something from our church. And it was both a surprise and a compliment. Because in mind, I'm thinking, they must have everything. But you know what they didn't have? They didn't have a trailer. We had the trailer. In what I presumed was their wealth, they were poor. In what I perceived (laughs) as our impoverishment, we are wealthy. And so I linked up with them. Everest and I had to vacate stuff from it. It's been done twice now. And we waved them off yesterday evening because they're going to pack that up with Christmas gifts for kids in a multitude of nations we do not and probably never will visit. But it's Samaritan's Purse, and they have Christmas packages, shoeboxes. And our little trailer is going to be used for the contribution of any of the areas, both in Brookings and in Crescent City, to take those into Medford for unloading. We're contributing. We've been blessed. We get to bless. Isn't that crazy? You know, in times of difficulties, you know what that made me feel like? It made me feel, on behalf of the church, really good. Wow. I thought we were poor, and Lord, you made us wealthy in one minute. We satisfied what I thought was a wealthy church in their poverty, what they had need of. I think it would have felt really awkward today if I said, you know what, it's just packed out right now. We ain't got anything for you. And I really went through that test. Verse 16, another discipline. Here we go. Rejoice always. This doesn't mean sometimes, and it doesn't mean when things are going out the way that you want them to play out. It means very likely on the consequence of not even expecting how things were going to go. And it says rejoice always. Part of the root is joy. Re is the prefix. It means do it again. In Ephesians, it's clear that from the first verse of the chapter, that there's reasoning that is being written to us on why there's so much to rejoice in. But it means do it again. 
And Rivers, as he took us through the dispositions of the churches or the dispensations of the churches and its personal application, it says this, that you've left your first love. The compelling reasoning is that difficulties have persuaded you contrary or distractions. You do it again. You love Jesus just the way it was that on the day that you know and in that moment where you were at, your heart was filled and you were blessed and you fell truly in love with God. Rejoice. Do it again. How often? Always. Well, I, I gave God an ultimatum. Then you were wrong. and He's right. Love always returns taking joy in what its first motivation was. Oh, what the eyes have seen, what the ears have heard. The sensory of my whole being is ignited by this beautiful attribute of love that God has put in us and that he allows us to express towards others that guess who we call it? Family, marriages, children, our brethren, our sisters. Rejoice always. 17, a discipline. Pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, which is it? Is it rejoice always or is it give thanks in everything? It's both of those things. Giving thanks in everything means the thing that you wish hadn't happened to you. You give thanks. It's a discipline of the mind that changes the heart. It's only for a season, but in the moment will you have the fortitude to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the consequence, can you say, thank you, Lord. It's hard. It's difficult, but it's a discipline and it is the manner by which the Lord himself walked this earth. Can you imagine being God and being completely misunderstood and rejected by your people? And to this day, the allowance of God in his patience and grace to be rejected by a world that seems to think it's the next election, it's the next missile it's going to make it better for everybody. Not true. We have a world going crazy. And yet God offers stability. And he does so by saying, give thanks to me. Romans 1 is so clear that when the people began to no longer thank God, appreciate what he had done, then they began to be governed ultimately by their flesh, their sinful desires, God gave them over to a degrading heart. And it tells the story of why you see what it is we hear and very often cry through. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 19, a discipline. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench him. Be in agreement with both what you've sung today, what we know we have been praying for today, quietly, 
within ourselves to the Lord, what you may be in fact asking of the Lord for prayer after the service. Don't quench the spirit. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. What if you today were given this word, and you may, it's one I've walked in for many years, still presently am. Hosea 6, you can check out his story later. But he loved a woman who did not want to be loved. God loves a world that does not want to love him. The reason that we do is because our hearts were touched by God. We're a very small percentage right now on the world scene. God would that all should turn towards him and to give themselves over to him. Hosea had a difficult task to love a woman who did not love him. But here's verse 6, and this is where I separate it from the scenario for the difficulty that maybe you might be experiencing or have. Look at the hope that this offers. Come and let us return to the Lord. That's one of the things that you need to be able to tell the person to do in the difficulties of giving thanks to God in the hardship of living. For he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. Verse 2, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. For what? That we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Do you hear a promise in that for you? Do you have a reason to go another year? This has visited me multiple times in my spiritual journey. It's as fresh to me today as it was on the day that I first received it. I receive it in this day in the same manner I received it in that day. And in that day, it was a hard word to realize that God's will is that for a season that I marked by days and weeks and months to the year and to the next year and to the third year, Lord, this is hard but that his promise would, he would raise me up on that third day. It did happen. It was a great personal application. I don't know where this is going, but I know that the difficulty that our family went through, that you too have been through equal difficulties, there's a third year coming. Second anniversary for Zach, and I will tell you, that his attitude in this second year is no different than when he was 
laid out on cold stone on the beach with experts all around him. But in that moment, the expert of that scenario in which there was an allowance for a tearing of the heart and for the inevitable trusting in him for what he had allowed, Zachary hasn't changed his disposition. May this be to someone or all of us today a fresh word in the difficulties that God would say requires. Give me thanks. Thanksgiving living in the difficulties in these times that you're having. Not to quench the spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterance. If that's your word, do not despise it. Receive it. Walk in it. There's a new day coming. There's a new morning that will be dawning. There will be a beautiful evening. Don't despise the prophetic word. Do not despise Israel. Replete in the scriptures as one whose eyes God beholds and is doing a work in. Because if we as a nation say we do not love your wife, Jehovah, we have nothing to do with her, for we are your bride. You've got it wrong. Your theology is corrupt. It will do you no good. The significance of Israel is huge, for they were entrusted with the oracles of God that we read from today. And when George Washington gave his Thanksgiving proclamation, he was speaking of the Lord God Almighty, Jehovah, the reigning God of the universe, and the one whose special people were over in that land. It would have been very difficult for them to be able to transact time to get over there. Everything that they knew of that land came through the reading of the scriptures. We get to get an airline ticket and fly over there, sail a boat over there. But that very verse from Hosea and the difficulties that Israel has experienced and still shall, we need to be mindful as his bride to be thankful to the Lord for what he has allowed us the privilege of being able to enjoy in our inheritance of that nation. Closing on a couple of passages. Isaiah 12, verses 4 through 5, you've heard it. And on that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known throughout the earth.
Let's pray. Lord, as we ask your blessings now on the conclusion of this word that was intended to be both devotional and historical, we would ask that your people are encouraged, even in the prophetic word that was given, and to be able to enjoy you, Lord, in this day and the seasons that remain, committing this time to you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.